In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I think it was last Monday when one of our neighbors dropped by and visited with uh, Pam and I. It was a nice experience because he is a retired minister, a Lutheran minister, by the way. He was the pastor of, uh, let me see if I can remember, St. John St. Paul's, which is a brick building right near the stadium downtown Akron. He'd been there for some time and now retired. He came over to share with me uh, medical concerns that both of us have. I've been wrestling, as you know, with some things, and in fact this past week had some further surgery. And he did too. He's looking at colon cancer. And so we commiserated together. And then we had a great time. We didn't expect him to stay for any length of time, but he stayed almost an hour, and we just chatted away. Because when ministers get together, there's old stories to be told about the ministry and what went on. And it reminded me of when I first began in the ministry. We seemed to be more relaxed a number of years ago. We would have an ordination of a priest or a pastor, and then we would gather over at someone's house, either the one being ordained or maybe one of the other staff members, and just have an afternoon and evening together, eating and drinking together and telling stories. There's great stories to be told by ministers about what goes on in their parishes and the experiences that they have in certain circumstances. And that's what we began to do that night. And as I prepared this sermon, it reminded me of those good old days and that sharing. And I remember particularly talking about marriages and the experiences that we ministers, priests have with marriages and its coming together and then carrying it off. So lighten up, everybody, because I'm going to tell a few stories about my own experience and uh, some of other ministers about marriage, since that's the topic for today. I remember one marriage in particular. The family was very fussy and wanted everything done just right. Well, that's the case with most marriages, but this was especially that way. And so we all got in line. Uh, you know, I did my part in getting the service ready, but that was a minor role because the family had a lot more to say about what went on when they came, when they went, what they did at this circumstance and this time. And then the day came for the wedding on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, everything seemed to be going well. I met in the sacristy with the groom, and the bride was to come down from the back of the church and process in. And I was meeting with other members of the clergy that were participating in this wonderful, gracious, glorious wedding. And so I uh, was ready at the hour, the witching hour, let's make it two o'clock. And I peeked out, and I didn't see any activity in the back of the church. I knew I had the groom in hand here, but where's the bride? So I looked back, and this is a large church, so the back of the church is a long way off. The narthex is way, way back there, so I have to send a messenger back only to find out there's been a delay. I said, okay. And so I said, will you run up 
into the choir loft and tell the organist to play a little more music. So she proceeded to play all the things she knew that were wedding in nature. And another ten minutes went by, and there was no sign of any activity in the back. And so I sent a messenger out again to come back and say, hold up, apparently there's been a problem, and could you just hold on a little longer? I said, certainly, I had no other recourse. And uh, the poor organist, though, she got to playing Christmas carols and all sorts of things. (laughs) So this went on for a good half hour. What had happened was the groom had left the ring behind at home. And, of course, it was necessary to have that exact ring. I have been in circumstances where we've pulled a ring off somebody and used it. But this was not going to happen with this wedding. They wanted that that, uh, wedding band that they had picked. So on went the music. And finally we got out there, and I announced to the congregation, I appreciate your waiting, and now we have the glorious opportunity of marrying this couple. And I'm so delighted to be able to do it. In fact, I said for a few moments I thought it wouldn't come off, you know, and all these tittering of laughter throughout the congregation. Well, that was my story. So when we got together with pastors of that, you pulled out these stories, you know, that were very familiar to you and you wanted to tell. And I'm saving one for a little later in the sermon that someone told I thought was pretty good. But uh, I just can imagine Jesus meeting with his disciples. Not that they had a lot of stories about weddings they were performing, but he had something to say about weddings. Jesus did. And he had a couple of things in mind when he got there. By the way, he is talked about in Matthew 9 as the bridegroom. So here's somebody who ought to know about what's going on with weddings. So at any rate, he tells this story that was just read a few moments ago. That must have been quite an experience. Quite an experience. Here were these foolish, silly girls, five of them, who forgot to fill up their flasks with some oil so they could light their lamps, and then the other serious ones who had it all prepared and ready. And uh, Jesus tells this story because he's accenting being prepared. And sadly, these five were not prepared. Now, you have to go back into the culture of that time and period. The weddings in those days, as is the case in some of the Far Eastern countries even now, because my son recently, not recently, but about 10 years ago, came back from a wedding in India in which he participated. These go on for some time. They began in the morning uh, and one day went into the evening, and then proceeded to go on into the next day. The groom has a party. The bride's family has a party. And you have the ceremony itself. So it's a long, long process. And that was true probably of this occasion as well. It is not necessarily the final, final. well, I think it is the final moment here of uh, the wedding, but there have been parties before this. And that's why the delay. You know, they were out there partying already and celebrating this wonderful marriage that would take place. And so the time had come now for the actual ceremony. And the people were waiting. 
as were the case in my group, but uh, we didn't know where they were. They were not out celebrating. They were just looking for a ring. But in this case, they probably were doing a little celebrating early, and you know how time runs away from you, and you forget about when things are to start and begin. And so that's the case here. And these five foolish gals just pushed it right to the end, and you all know people like that who just delay and delay and hope they can run down to the drugstore quickly and pick up whatever they need on a late afternoon. The drugstore carries all things, and so there's no problem. But in this case, there was a problem. When the groom arrived, it was necessary. It was dark, probably. Wherever they were, had to be lit up. And so they needed the lights from these torches. And they had five of them, and they probably needed much more, at least ten of them, to light up the place so everybody could see what was going on. And sadly, they were not prepared. And so the accent in the story on the part of Jesus is, look, we even had to close the doors and lock them out. They weren't prepared. You have to be ready to go when the time is there. And they were not. And so the wedding went on without them. This is a story about all of us being prepared. The bridegroom is coming. In those days, Jesus was talking to the people of his own day and saying, When I come on the scene, be ready. I am the bridegroom. I'm he who is promised. I'm the one to deliver. I'm the promised Messiah. Be ready. That's what's going on here in this story. But it carries over to our own time and age as we anticipate his final coming. We want to be ready for that. And that's the accent of the story. And then the question I ask is, how are we ready? We're going to fool around with uh, oil and lamps? No, we've got other things we've got to do to be prepared for Christ's coming. We believe he is coming. We announce that in our creed. We say it every Sunday in the prayers that we have. He is coming. And the question is, how prepared are you? How do you prepare? What do you do? Well, the accent has to be on Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. The accent must fall on us to explore what it means that Christ has died. Christ is risen. And then anticipate his coming again. How do you do that? Well, I'm suggesting this morning that you have to know the story very well. You have to know what Jesus did, what he accomplished, what his purpose was, what his dying on the cross was all about, about, and what significance it has for you personally. Do you know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior? as your personal Savior, as one who you intimately interact with, pray to, and know through Bible study. And uh, Bible study is a very important part of what you do. All of that is necessary. That is your preparation for His coming. You are also to stand boldly before others and declare Him as Lord and Savior, as you do in the Nicene Creed, but you do it boldly before others as well. On top of that, there are all sorts of other things you are called upon to do. Primarily coming from faith, you are convinced of who he is, what he has done, 
And then from that comes acts of mercy and love and concern for others. And you are about doing those. You're not standing on the sideline wondering, oh, what do I do? Where do I go? There are always opportunities to do things in the name of Jesus for others. That's a part of being prepared and ready. And then to declare him as the bridegroom come into your midst that he will someday arrive here, and because you have believed in him, you have followed him, done his tasks in the world, declare him as Lord, you are ready to meet him. You are like those who have lamps that are lit, and they're brightly glowing. You have not ignored what responsibilities you have in terms of your faith life. That's what is called for here in this particular text. Readiness. You're standing on your tiptoes always, anticipating that God in Christ will come anytime. Anytime. You know not when, but He is coming. That's what the text is strongly suggesting. The last story I have to tell about uh, weddings is this one. A friend of mine had this experience. He... Um, made all the preparations for a wedding in a church about the size of this church. And everything was set, and it was on a Saturday, and he went to the church, although he made his way through a storm. Hurricane Gloria had been blowing mightily on Long Island, and uh, lights were going out in homes because the electricity was blown out, or, you know, all sorts of trees had fallen on the lines. When he got to church, it was pitch dark. And so the bride and groom arrived ready for the wedding, and it was absolutely pitch dark in the church. But he had to run around. Fortunately, we're in a church, so we had candles to light. He had sent out a message to others, bring your flashlights, torches, lanterns, whatever you have, so the wedding could go on. And that's exactly what happened. I could imagine this darkened church, no light out, and uh, they had all these lanterns, the people, and people sitting in the pews as you are with their flashlights following the service. That was the readiness they had. They came prepared because he had called them and prepared them that that's what was happening. So this kind of sense of readiness has to be a part of us. When I think of the firemen or policemen, they run through their drills, uh, whatever they might be, prepared for whatever crisis may unfold. I don't know that we do that as much as we should as Christians, run through the drills. Except, except that on Sunday mornings, we have our Eucharist service, our liturgy. And when you think about that liturgy, it's a run-through, it's a preparation, it's a preparing our lamps every Sunday. It's hearing the word of forgiveness as we, for, uh, as we confess our sins and receiving forgiveness. As we hear the lessons one after the other read, as we absorb them and make them a part of ourselves. As we contact or confront or interact or receive the Lord in the Lord's Supper. All of those actions, all of those things are the necessary 
preparations we make for when he ultimately comes. Will he come this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, next week, months from now? I don't know, but the feeling we should have is that of being ready and prepared. Standing on our tiptoes, looking around and saying, Jesus, I'm ready. I know that you're coming. Prepare my heart. Prepare my life so that I will be ready when you come to receive me. And that's the call we have this morning from this text. Let's pray to that end. Heavenly Father, we wish to hear the words from the scriptures, the words within the liturgy, and absorb them into our own lives as we ready ourselves for your ultimate coming. We don't dread it, we look forward to it, for it is a message of love and forgiveness, of new life and promise. Oh Lord, come quickly, come quickly. We stand here ready with our lamps lit. We pray this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Amen.